Good morning, everyone. As a child, I didn't really know too much about God. I didn't know anything really about the Bible. I knew there was God. Uh, I used to assume there was. I heard a lot about it. I knew that there was a Jesus, and that's about it. Um, my mom had a Bible, uh, an old Bible that had a lot of the illustrations by Gustav Dorr. Some of you may have heard of him. He was an illustrator from the 1800s. And I remember looking at that at the Bible, not really knowing what it is, but being absolutely fascinated. Can we have that picture up? Is that possible? No? Oh, there it is. That's Adam and Eve being kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Some of you may remember that. Now, of course, I didn't know that. I just knew that, that somebody was in big trouble. And there was a very angry person with wings and a sword. And uh, it's fascinating to me. And this is another picture I remember well. Anybody recognize that? Can we, yeah, are we okay there? Uh, that's Noah and the ark. And then here's another one. Moses with Ten Commandments. And here's another one. It's hard to see on my TV, but you can see it better up there. That's the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Well, these pictures, uh, and, and the Bible in particular, really fascinated me. Uh, what I didn't know as a child is that my grandparents were very strong believers. They were uh, attending Calvary Temple at the time, and very strong, strong Christian people, strong Pentecostal Christians. And you're going to find out what that means more in just a moment. But here's a wonderful thing. Uh, because of my grandparents' influence, I knew that they prayed for me and prayed for our family over the years. Um, my mom started taking us uh, to a boys program called Stockades when I was about eight years of age. And while I was there, uh, right in my very first, maybe the first few weeks that I was there, um, the pastor call, uh, came calling, visited, uh, visited us in the boys program, and uh, he shared the simple story of how to become a Christian. And he's promised that if we if we believed in Jesus, if we asked Jesus into our heart, Jesus would come into our life. And not only that, he would wash away our sin. Now, at age eight, I already had a strong sense or understanding of what that meant. And I love the idea of being totally clean. And I think most of us here understand what I'm talking about. Every one of us here has experienced some kind of, or some sense of guilt or shame or embarrassment over behavior, over things that we've said or done. Well, it gets even better. The pastor said that if I asked Jesus into my heart, if I died, I know I would go to heaven. Now, who could resist an offer like that? So I quickly jumped to my feet and said, that would be me. I want that. And I stood there and I prayed what we call the, the sinner's prayer. Now, I had no idea really what it was really all about. I didn't understand that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Uh, I didn't understand any of the theology behind it. I just knew that something was drawing me, and I couldn't resist. And I found myself totally and completely surrendered to Jesus Christ. And I felt like the weight of the world had been lifted from my shoulders. Now, this is a common uh, sensation. Uh, many people who have asked Christ into life experience that very feeling of, of total release, of total freedom. You feel like I, that you can fly. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? Yeah, you know exactly what I'm saying. You feel like you... I was going to sing this song, but I'm not going to do it. But anyway, um, uh, I knew that something special had happened in my life. 
And so what happened then is uh, I, I told my mom, I asked Jesus into my heart, and she said, well, you've got to tell your dad. Now, some of you have heard this story more than once, but it's a great story. It's the best, the best story in the world, as far as I'm concerned. And mom said, you've got to tell dad. I thought dad was going to kill me. I mean, why would you get in trouble for asking Jesus into your heart? But I didn't know. Anyway, the good, good news is that dad was very happy. He was, he was very serious, but he was definitely not angry. I could tell that something was happening in him. I had no idea what was going on, not knowing that he grew up in a Christian home, not knowing that even as I was telling him about what had happened to me, God was doing something in his heart. And it wasn't long before our whole family started going to church. And my mom made sure that we were at Boys Brigade on Monday nights, made sure that we were in church for Sunday school. And in those days, I think it was at 10 o'clock, and then the service was at 11, and then there was a service at night. So we were really at three different services on Sunday, and mom got us to all of them. And then if there was a camp, we went to to the kids' camp. I can remember... My first time going to camp, my sister had gone the week before, and she said to me, Alan, when you go, uh, ask for the Holy Spirit. I said, what's that? She said, well, I'm not really sure. (laughs) But you should ask for it. She said, I did, and I got it. I said, really, what happened? She said, I spoke in tongues. And it's the most amazing thing. So I thought, man, I'm going to camp. I want to go swimming, and I want to do the obstacle course, and I want to go fishing. But I really want the Holy Spirit. Well, so that's what I did. And I don't really know what the speaker was speaking about, but I do know this, that uh, I'd, I'd come to get the Holy Spirit. And so I came forward, and I knelt down, and they asked, what are you doing here? <laughs> what are you, what are you, why, why are you here? What do you want? I said, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm so thankful that the camp counselor, a, a true follower of Jesus Christ, said, oh, that's no problem. We can pray with you right now. And he did. And he said, all you have to do is just ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and ask God to fill you. And all you have to do is start praising him and thanking you for the infilling. So I did that. I asked God to forgive me my sins. And I I thanked him for loving me and for saving me. And I said, God, uh, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. And boom, it was like fire from heaven, like lightning rushing through me. And I began to speak in tongues. I felt my whole body was electrified. I was, I was on, literally on fire, and I couldn't stop. And, and I, this, was, this happened like at 8 o'clock. Two hours later, I was still worshiping God, speaking in tongues, so full of God, and I didn't want it to stop. And then finally, the counselor, Ellen, you better stop now. You've got to save some for tomorrow. And so that's exactly what happened. Went to bed, and I could not sleep that night. I was so excited, so thrilled about what God had done in my life. And, and I did go back the next night and the night after that. And it turns out I didn't want to go swimming. I didn't want to go fishing. I didn't want to go boating. I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to go to the chapel and be with God. Now, I did not even really fully understand what it was all about. I didn't know the theology of it. I didn't know why I was drawn to Jesus the way it was. I didn't know why I was so hungry for God. I didn't know why I was drawn to go to church and why I wanted to be with other Christians, but I did. I couldn't answer the questions then, but I can answer it now. I had no idea that I would eventually be a preacher and and telling people about Christ and about the Holy Spirit. But today what I want to do is I want to tell you about the Holy Spirit. 
And I want you to know that Jesus is called the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Now, before, before we get into that, let me just quickly do a recap of what we've learned thus far. We discovered that Jesus is our creator and he's our God. And this is important to understand, especially, folks, if we understand that we who are fallen, we who have sinned against God, we have turned our backs on God, we need to be reborn or recreated. And this is why the Apostle Paul says that uh, when, as, as Christians, we are a new creation. Would you tell the person beside you, I am a new creation? Now, some of you may not be yet, but maybe that's a prophetic word for your future. (laughs) I am a new creation, and Jesus is the one that can make that possible. Only Jesus can make that possible. We also learned that Jesus is human. And so Jesus, we said, didn't just come to die for us. He came to live for us. He came to show us how to live. He, He came and taught us the mind and the will of God. He actually came to reveal God to us. And so on that, in that time that he lived on the earth, he showed us what it means to truly love, what it means to truly love God, and what it truly means to love one another. By the way, loving God and loving one another is the actual summation of the whole law of God. And Jesus taught us that. And not only that, but Jesus, as a human, was really the only one that was able to die for us the other humans. And why? Because he was perfect. And which brings us then to the message of last week. We said that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God who does what? Who takes away the sins of the world. Hallelujah. We said last week, didn't we, that, that after Jesus died on the cross, the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed 37 years later. Jesus actually prophesied and said, he said, they're going to tear, tear that temple down. I'm going to rebuild it in three days. And of course, what he's talking about is he's talking about himself creating a brand new temple. And the brand new temple, by the way, is everybody here today who calls himself or herself a follower of Jesus Christ. Isn't that cool? So you and I, we constitute the temple of God where God dwells. God dwells in us. And that's the reason why we haven't needed a temple in Jerusalem for 2,000 years because Jesus was a sacrifice lamb and we don't need any more sacrifices. Amen? So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about Jesus Christ, the baptizer. Now, one of the most exciting things about our faith uh, that actually scares some people, uh, and I think I'm going to tell you why it scares some people, because there's been abuses. And how many know that wherever there's human beings involved, there's going to be abuses and, and things are going to be extreme and a little bit strange? How many know that? You all know that? I want you to know something about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. He's powerful, but he manifests himself very gently, very sweetly. Now, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Well, now you can answer that question. You know that Jesus is God. You know that Jesus is human. We know that Jesus is the Lamb of God. And today we're learning that Jesus Christ is the baptizer, the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Here's what John the Baptist says. He says, when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you may have seen this uh, this image or an image like this. We see the Holy Spirit as a dove. The dove is gentle. It's calm. 
And, and, and anything that's, that's jarring or anything that is, uh, that is, is, is not good uh, would drive that spirit away. Well, we recognize that we don't have to be afraid of the spirit because this is how he represents himself. As a gentle dove. And he moves gently in the hearts and the minds and the spirits of all those who are called to be his. Now, that's the one aspect of this person of the Holy Spirit. But there's more to it than that. Uh, I told you just a moment ago that John says that, uh, that he baptizes with water, but Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 3.11, it actually adds a word. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, what does that mean? Well, some of you may remember uh, a few uh, months back, we, we talked about um, the Garden of Eden. And we talked about how God, God dwelt, first of all, in the Garden of Eden. Then he manifested himself or dwelt uh, in the tabernacle. And you may remember this, this image. I love this image. There's God right in the center of his people. He's dwelling among the people. And remember we said about Jesus, he became a human and he pitched his tent among us. He came to dwell among us. Notice that it says he dwelt among us. Just as he dwelt among the children of Israel. You'll see around the tabernacle are the tents of Israel. Those tents of Israel are all the 12 tribes. That column of fire represents the very presence and power of God. It's a, it was a column of fire. Jesus said that unless I go away, the Holy Spirit cannot come. Now remember, Jesus is dwelling among us, and he said, it's better for you if I go away. Now, who wouldn't love to have Jesus just stay right here? Would you just love that? Now, the problem is, is that then Jesus is limited to, to the natural world. And Jesus said, it's better if I go away, because if I go away, and when I go away, I will not now just be dwelling among you, but I will dwell within you. Now, do you see, do you see the similarities? You see the little column of fire over everybody's head? In the Old Testament, that column of fire rested over the tabernacle, and that was God's presence. Now what we see in Acts chapter 2, it says that the Holy Spirit was poured out. That there were like tongues of fire that rested on everybody's head. What is, what, is, uh, what is God trying to tell us? He's telling us now that he doesn't just dwell in temples built by the hands of men. He doesn't just dwell in tabernacles. He dwells in everybody who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so when, when you became a Christian, the Spirit of God came to dwell within you. Now, I want you to recognize something. Uh, Jesus says that the, uh, that the Spirit of, uh, of God comes to dwell within us. Uh, but we are baptized into the Spirit. Now, that word baptize, it actually means uh, to immerse or to dip. That's literally what it means. So I know some church traditions, maybe you come from a church tradition where you were christened, you were sprinkled with water, and you say that that was my baptism. Uh, in our church, we don't just sprinkle you with water. We, under the drums there, we have a pit of water. And we don't just sprinkle you with water. We dunk you right under. We totally immerse you. You are totally under the water. And uh, you can't see it right at the moment, but it is there. <laughs> 
What we're doing, folks, is we are, are doing exactly what Scripture tells us to do. Now, it's interesting that John uses the exact same language when referring to the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. You are dunked right under. You are completely immersed in the Spirit. You are full of the Spirit. You are, the Spirit is on you. The Spirit is around you. In fact, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the paraclete or the alongside one, the one who's always with us. So wherever you go, he's there with you. I don't know about you, but that brings great joy to my heart. Some of you think, well, when I leave here, I'm going home alone. No, you're not. If you're a Christian, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God goes with you and never leaves you. In fact, the Bible, Jesus, Jesus says, God says it in, in Deuteronomy, that I will never leave you nor will I forsake you. This is thrilling stuff, people. God has made a promise to us never to leave us nor forsake us. So, why does Jesus baptize us in the Holy Spirit? Well, when you're born again, what happens is the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you, and as he dwells in you, he leads you, he guides you, he reminds you of everything that Jesus teaches you, and you can read this in the book uh, of John. If you haven't read John yet, you really need to read it, especially John 14, 15, and 16. Those three chapters, very powerful teaching about the Holy Spirit. Paul picks up on, on this theme in Romans, uh, the eighth chapter. I'm going to tell you, Romans chapter eight is my favorite chapter in the whole Bible, and uh, I would just love it if, if we could get some of our young people to memorize that. David, maybe you could memorize that before you go to Burundi. In, in Kurundi would be great. No, that's okay. This is, this is a life-changing chapter because it teaches us what it means to live as a Christian in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's called the chapter of spirit-controlled living. Now, that's really what it means to be a follower of Christ. Some people think, I said the sinner's prayer, I go to church, I put a few bucks in the offering plate, I take communion, I sing, I stand, sing my song, then I go home. Folks, if you think that that's all there is to Christianity, then you have totally misunderstood, you've totally missed the boat. To be a Christian means that the Spirit of God dwells within you, and you have a moment-by-moment interaction with Him all day long, every day. You'll notice I called Him Him, and I'll tell you about that in just a moment. But there's something else that you need to understand. We receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus baptizes us baptizes us with the Holy Spirit so that we will be led, so that we will be taught by him, that we will be guided, we will be controlled by him. But even more than that, and you can read about this in Ephesians 1. In fact, if you're going to your small group tonight, you'll, you'll read more about this. But the Holy Spirit in us is a deposit guaranteeing that you're going to get into heaven. Now, sometimes, you know, we, we tell jokes, or you've heard jokes about St. Peter at the pearly gates. How many have heard jokes like that? Nobody? You heard about St. Peter at the, at the pearly gates. Someone say, yes, I've heard of that. Okay, good, good, good. Well, the good news is I'm not going to tell you one of those jokes. But here's what I'm going to tell you. When you arrive in heaven, the thing that's going to get you into heaven is the deposit. Now, when I, we bought a house, we had to put a deposit down. And once I put that deposit down and signed the papers, that house was mine. You get that? It guarantees that nobody else now can snatch it away from me. This is exactly what Paul tells us in Ephesians 1. When you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, wow, 
When you receive the Spirit of God, it's the guarantee. Nicholas, you're going to make it into heaven. And I know what kind of a guy you are. But he knows what kind of a guy I am. <laughs> Look at this notion or this idea that, that the thing that gets us into heaven is that we're good, 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 good people is totally erroneous. What gets us into heaven is that Jesus is good, 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 good. And we put our faith in Jesus who is good, good, good. And because we put our faith in Jesus who is perfect, God gives us his Holy Spirit. And that's the deposit that guarantees that when I die, I'm going to be with Jesus. It's not arrogance on my part. I'm not boasting that I'm going to heaven. I don't know about you. No, it's not that at all. I have the assurance that I'm going to heaven because of the promises in God's word. If I put my faith in Christ, I receive his spirit, and that is the guarantee that I belong to God. Hallelujah. But even more than that, God gives us his Holy Spirit to empower us to do his will. This is why you need the Spirit of God working in you and through you so that you can fulfill his purposes. Look at this verse here. But, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, but you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. I got to tell you that Jesus' disciples were quite shocked at this because as far as they were concerned, God was only concerned about the Jews. He was only concerned about Jewish people. But Jesus is making it clear. You're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can go throughout the world and tell people about Christ. That's why David is going to Burundi. And that's why his mom is going with him. And this is why others are going to Burundi. This is why we've gone on many, many missions trips. This is why we have Kids Club. This is why we have our youth ministry. Because our job is to go into the world and tell people about Jesus. But you say, Pastor Earl, I'm terrified of that. Ah, I'm glad you admitted it. That is why we need the Holy Spirit, to receive power to do the work of God. Now, before, I'm going to unpack this a little bit more in just a moment. But first of all, let me just quickly tell you a little bit about the person of the Holy Spirit. And the first thing you need to know is that he is the third person in the Trinity, The Trinity, I'm just going to be up front with you, is a mystery to me. It's a mystery to all of us. We live in a three-dimensional world, and we don't understand those other dimensions. We don't understand how God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit could actually be one. But the fact of the matter is, is that they are one. This is what we teach. This is what we believe. In fact, Jesus says when when you go into all the world and you... Teach them to obey all my commands. You need to do what? Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus himself recognizes the triune God. Everyone in that in the Godhead is equal. And by the way, in case you don't know it, the Holy Spirit is equal to the Father and equal to the Son. They are, they are one. Now, I want you to know something else about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. Did you get that? We sometimes refer to him as as though he's an object. He's not to be referred to as an it. If I I said to Nicholas, it's a good kid, that'd be kind of a little offensive. We don't refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. 
He is a person. He is a he. Uh, furthermore, some of you grew up reading the King James Bible, and I'm not putting the King James Bible down at all, but, but the King James Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost. As though, you know, it's Casper the Friendly Ghost. <laughs> That's not who the Holy Spirit is, people. He's not a ghost. He is spirit. And furthermore, uh, some of you may have seen the Star Wars movies, the Star Wars franchise, a number of movies talking about the Force. The Holy Spirit is not like the Force. The Force is a very impersonal power, and it, is, it, it actually comes out of pagan uh, thought, pagan ideas. The Holy Spirit is a person. We can worship the Holy Spirit, we can pray to the Holy Spirit, we can grieve the Holy Spirit, we can cause the Holy Spirit to rejoice and be glad, Uh, we can feel his presence, we can surrender to the Spirit, we can feel him. Here's the other thing you need to know about the Spirit, is that the Spirit draws us to Jesus. Now remember I said to you, as a kid, I couldn't understand why I was the first one to jump to my feet. I want to ask Jesus into my life. I don't really know anything about Jesus, to be honest. I don't know anything about him dying on the cross. But I knew that I wanted what that preacher was sharing with me. I wanted, I wanted what he, his message told me I could get. I could be free of my sin. I could have eternal life. I don't have to ever worry about dying. That was the Holy Spirit drawing me as a child. Wow, I didn't find God, God found me. You think to yourself today, you think you went looking for God? No, he went looking for you. In fact, Jesus said that's why he came to this earth. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Most of us don't even know we're lost unless the Holy Spirit opens your eyes and helps you to see this. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit did for me. We were, our family wasn't even really going to church at that point. But God did a special work in my life. By his Spirit, he drew me to himself and showed me I needed God. And then I went to camp, not knowing anything really about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. In fact, we have a special word for it. In theological terms, we, we, we call the study of the Holy Spirit pneumatology, coming from the Greek pneuma, meaning spirit, and the chorusology, which you know means study. I didn't know anything. I didn't know a thing about it. I didn't know, didn't know anything that I'm sharing with you today, except that I knew I wanted the Spirit of God in me. I was hungry for God. I wanted more of Him. What is this? What's going on? The Spirit of God is drawing me. And here's what I know right now. In this room, the Spirit of God is working in you. In fact, some of you even now are experiencing a real stirring in your spirit, a real stirring in your heart. And you know that God is is calling you and drawing you to himself. This is the cool thing about our faith, which scares some people, but I'm going to tell you, you don't need to be scared of anything. The Spirit of God is here right now. He's invisible, you can't see him, but you feel it. He's drawing you. He's opening your mind to understand. He's giving you a hunger and a thirst for more of him. I want to tell you today that you must must not grieve the Spirit. You must not ignore what the Spirit is saying to you. In a few moments, I'm going to ask Chris, if somebody could find Chris and ask him to come to the piano. I'd like us to pray a song 
Come, Holy Spirit, I need you. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Come in your strength and your power. Come in your own special way. The Spirit of God is drawing us. In fact, the Spirit of God is maybe speaking to you right now about something that you need to do in your life. After I thought I got all that I could get from God, guess what happens? I go to camp one summer, and God actually begins to speak to me about being a pastor. I thought, I'm too shy to do that. I could never stand up in front of anybody and speak to them. Guess what? I'm still shy. <laughs> and here I am in front of you. And you're thinking, there's no way on earth Pastor Allen is shy as a shy guy, right? Wrong. The Spirit of God drew me into the ministry. And after he drew me into the ministry, after he called me to be a pastor, then he gave me the power and the ability to do that. The Spirit of God is working in your heart right now. He's drawing you to himself. Oh, you may have been one of those people that said, I don't believe that Christianity garbage. I can't believe that stuff. That's a bunch of hooey. Even now, the Spirit of God is stirring in your heart, beginning to help you to see there's something to this. You know, <laughs> i got to look at that verse one more time. It says, but you will receive power. You see that word power? That, in the Greek, it's the word dunamis. It's, uh, in, in English, we, we get the word dynamite. Just think of the Holy Spirit as dynamite. <laughs> it just blew up my life, man. It just changed it completely. The word dynamo uh, or dynamic. This is what the Holy Spirit does in us when we open our heart and our mind to him and we say, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Spirit of the living God, move in me. Open my mind and help me to see what I can't see with my natural eyes. I'm going to tell you right now, folks, Jesus says it very clearly that the natural mind can't receive the things of the Spirit. The Spirit of God has to work in us so that our spirit can receive truth, can receive the things of God. Did you know that today? So it's, it's absolutely futile for me to argue, try to argue you into the kingdom and, and try to prove to you that this is all real and prove to you that God created the earth and prove to you this stuff. I've been a Christian for a long time and I don't think I'm a stupid person. I'm sure glad nobody said, well, I, wouldn't, I, don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> but I've been studying and studying and reading and reading. And I'm going to tell you, after all these years of walking with God every day, I have not yet come to the place where I thought, huh, they're right. It is a bunch of hooey. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It's not logical. The longer I walk with God, the longer I am open to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit teaching me, the more it all makes sense. In fact, as every year goes by, it makes more and more sense. This is extremely reasonable, our faith is. It makes sense. And it's real because the power of God, the dynamite of the Holy Spirit has gone off in my head and in my heart. Jesus says, don't try to do anything. Don't go anywhere. Wait in the upper room. I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And when he comes, boom, then you're going to be my witnesses. And you are going to do extraordinary things. 
Has anybody ever seen a defibrillator? Your heart stops, and the, the, the doctor or the nurse or Mr. Bean <laughs> gets in jumper cables and, <laughs> and boom, and you've got life. That's exactly what happens when the Holy Spirit comes into you and it comes upon you. You come back to life. You get life. That's who the Holy Spirit is. Have you had that happen to you yet? Because God wants to do that. The word, you will receive power, that word receive, lipseste, in English, it's translated in English into the word receive, but actually in Greek, it, it's not a one-time event. In Greek, it's actually, you shall be getting, but you shall be getting power. In other words, it's an ongoing process, an ongoing thing every day. This is why we teach you here at Cross Church that you have to have a daily walk with God because as you meet with God every day, God applies the defibrillator to your heart and mind. Some people say, man, I feel so dead, so empty, so far from God. Well, get into the presence of the doctor, the great physician, and let him jumpstart your broken heart. Amen? God wants to set you on fire again. He wants to bring life back to your cold and hard heart. You know, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, and this, when, when the, the truth of this hit me, it was, again, it was like dynamite going off in my head. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must daily. That may be one of the most profound words in the scripture. You must Daily, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Every day, we come to Jesus and get, get the power of God filling us and enabling us to be his servants. You, you may or may not know this, but this, again, is not coincidence. This is all by God's divine plan. 600 years before the power of the Spirit was given to believers. The prophet Ezekiel said this. He said, and I will give you a new heart. By the way, this is, this is, this is God speaking through Ezekiel, right? This is the voice of God. Now, hear the voice of God here. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. Did you get that? A new heart, a new spirit in you. This is 600 years before Jesus has come to this earth, before the outpouring of the Spirit. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Anybody here have a stony, stubborn heart? Wow. Anybody here need a new heart, a new spirit? Folks, that's what I'm talking about today. Jesus, the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, removing your stony, stubborn, hard heart and giving you a tender, responsive heart to God. Wow. That's why we come to church on Sunday. We gather together in the name of Jesus. We, we worship him. We are reminded of what he has done for us on the cross. We experience the spirit of God working in you. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Folks, look at For thousands of years, people tried to obey God, tried to do God's will, and they kept failing, kept failing, and kept failing. And the problem is, is that the Spirit of God did not dwell within them. 
Even as Ezekiel is writing these words, he's writing it from captivity. He's in Babylon. And his people are in captivity in Babylon. Why? Because it kept messing up and God had to keep on disciplining them. He had to keep on teaching them. And Ezekiel's looking to the future, to that day, when the end of the exile comes and when there's no more, no more distance from God, when God will dwell within us, when he will never leave us nor forsake us. Hallelujah. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God dwells within you richly. And by the way, it's not just Ezekiel who shares this. Jeremiah shares this. You can read about it. Actually, Hebrews 8 quotes Jeremiah who's saying basically the same thing. Joel says the same thing. In fact, Peter, the Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 2, as he's given that great sermon, he actually references great chunks of Joel, the prophet, who talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Folks, this is what God wants to do in your life. He wants to empower you. He wants to give you a tender, responsive heart to to, to him. And I thank God that he did that for me. I'm going to tell you, folks, we fail. We fail in this Christian life unless we're spirit-controlled. And the spirit And this morning, here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to once again get back in touch with God. I'm asking you to get back to doing devotions every day and inviting the Spirit of God to touch you and to speak to you. Every day, God wants to speak to you. And I'm going to tell you, folks, as a Christian for many years, I know every single time I get into trouble, Pastor Ron, you get into trouble? Yeah, say things I shouldn't say, do things I shouldn't do, a bad attitude. Ugh. Sometimes I get so annoyed with myself. I get annoyed with myself a lot, actually. But I'm going to tell you, the thing that I have learned to do is I've learned what it means to draw close to God every day, to allow His Spirit to recharge me. Because when he plies those paddles, that, def- that Holy Ghost defibrillator, that's good, eh? The Holy Ghost defibrillator, it just breaks up that stony, stubborn heart of mine. It gives me a tender, responsive heart, and I'm willing to say, yes, Lord, have your way in my life. Yes, Lord, do what you want in me. God, here am I. And by his spirit, he changes my bad attitude. Anybody here ever have a bad attitude? Well, there's more than just me then. That's good. It's a few of us. We need the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't you say amen to that? We need the Spirit of God working in us, dwelling in us, strengthening in us. Let me just close with this. I ask permission to share this. Paul says this, when you have the Spirit of God in you, it produces fruit in your life. And some of you know what the fruit of the Spirit is. Love, joy, peace, patience, patience, Boy, I'd stumble on that one. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's not the fruit of Alan Duncan. I can't, I can't do that. I, I used to get, I got a real kick. I had a, heard somebody teaching. I'm not going to say who it is. It's not from our church. But they said, 
What we have to do is we have to take a look at the fruit of the Spirit and start working on every one of those fruit. And, and, uh, and then the, the, this teacher, well-meaning, said, uh, how, many, how many are doing good on the, love, on the love fruit? And most of the hands went up. And what about joy? Well, half the hands went up. And what about peace? Well, they're, they're, yeah, kind of. And how about patience? Well, nobody put their hand up. And, and so by the end of the class, actually this class went on, for as, number, for as many weeks as there are fruit mentioned by Paul, as though it were something that we could work on, as though it were something that, you know, I'm going to work on patience, I'm going to work on, you know, I'm not very kind, but I am loving. I'm going to tell you right now, folks, you can't produce any of this on your own. You know that? And by the way, the, the fruit of the Spirit, it, it's, it's a, it comes as a bundle. It doesn't come one at a time. Did you get that? So if you've got love, then you've got joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You've got, the whole, you've got the whole nine yards. You get, you get it all or nothing. You can't do this in your own. You need the Spirit of God to work in you and through you. Because you can't produce it on your own. That's why you need to have a daily walk with God where you say, God, here I am before you again today. Fill me afresh with your spirit that I may produce your fruit. Because I can't do it on my own. That's why it's called the fruit of the spirit. It's not called the fruit of the Allen. It's called the fruit of the spirit. As the spirit of God dwells within you richly, as you are filled every day. Paul tells the Ephesians, don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Every day, a fresh filling of the Spirit. Yang, a friend of Dennis Weeb, he came, she came here to, to study at the University of Manitoba. She came from China. And while she was her, her, her aunt had become a Christian some years before and said, Yang, I'm going to introduce you to Jesus. And Yang came to know Christ, and she actually gave her heart to Christ. He was converted. And her friend from Vietnam, who was her best friend at the University of Manitoba, saw massive changes in Yang. In fact, the change is so great that she said, you know, I'm Buddhist. She's from Vietnam. I can't really pronounce her, lot, her first name very well. N-G-U-Y-E-N. Nagayin, did I say that right? Anybody know? Oh, yeah. oh, thank you. She was so amazed at the change in Yang. Again, this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is the, the work of the Spirit in her life. So amazed that she decided she wanted to know more about Yang's Jesus. And last Sunday, she sat right over there. And I believe she's going to sit there again in the second service. Ask permission to share that. Here's what I want you to know today. When the Spirit of God comes into you and dwells within you, He changes you. The change is so dramatic that everybody around knows what happened to him, what happened to her. She's not the same anymore. I'd like you to stand with me. Chris, can you play that song, Come Holy Spirit, I Need You? I'd like you to make that your prayer this morning. It's a very simple, very simple course. And as we... as I, Close your eyes. You don't, I don't even know if you need the words, but just, just listen. Listen and, and try to sing it as your prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, I need you. Come. 
this morning won't you come and touch us afresh by your spirit we need you some of us God have drifted away and we've allowed doubt to enter in and we we feel ourselves slipping away from you spirit of God draw us back to yourself the way you did when we first were converted when we were first saved and Lord we pray that your spirit would enable us and empower us to live obedient lives to you, fulfilling the great commission, going into all the world and telling people about Jesus. God, we pray that your fruit, that fruit of the Spirit, would be evident in our lives. So God, we pray, open us, open our hearts, our mind, our spirit for all you want to do in us. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. And everyone say it with me. Tell the person beside you, go be filled with the Spirit. Sorry, I didn't do high. I was, I was thinking you're... That's okay. In my mind, we're doing that song. Oh, so that's oh, okay. No, no, no. It, well, thankfully, I was able to squeak it out. <laughs>